from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of school for startups radio maybe a special edition since it's friday the 13th and we believe in good luck i like that taylor swift has declared 13 as her lucky number i thought that's a brilliant marketing idea we got a brilliant show for you today three great guests we're going to cover a lot of material first up we have tammy myers she is in the kids therapy space but it has grown much larger than that. And she's developed the Myers method of teaching kids how to think. Boy, is that a good idea and important. And, you know, I started my career in for-profit education. And like in so many models, you get one to work, which Tammy has done. She's got a profitable location. And then you multiply by gasoline and you get hundreds of locations all over the country. And so I think Tammy is poised to do amazing things, and I'm excited to introduce her. After that, Fran Hassing will be with us. She is running an Airbnb and is having a ton of success with that, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about the Airbnb space. I think that I'm going to enter that uh, market as well. It's just there's too much money to be made there, the house hacking. And she's going to talk about how SCORE, the Senior Corps of Retired Executives, it's a free organization that is tangential part of the SBA. And so they're going to help Fran, and she's going to talk about that. And then we're going to meet Peter Buzzard from SCORE, who is an expert in helping people just like Fran. And so if you are not familiar with SCORE and you want to go start a business, you should be familiar with them because they will help you get started. It's free advice from industry experts. Peter has an amazing or had an amazing career prior to his retirement and he'd make a great guest in and of just that. But we'll talk about score today. The point though is you're learning from people who've had amazing careers already, amazing connections. They know what to do. Anyway, great show today. We'll be getting started in just a second. Thanks for being with us on Friday, the 13th. Startups Radio hopes you will reach out to us if you have any questions or comments, or if you need help with your business at any stage, from concepts to exit. Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim, and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. We are back, and again, thank you so much for being with us. You know how I love the business of education, and I hate to say it that way, but taking care of our kids and our elderly are both incredible entrepreneurial opportunities. And I'm excited to introduce you to a children's entrepreneur right now. Please welcome Tammy Myers to the show. She runs two business, 
businesses, one called Mrs. Myers Playroom, and then also Mrs. Myers Learning Lab. They are both based out of Wisconsin and have been incredibly successful. She started off in pediatric therapy and realized that what she was teaching had broader applications and has developed in some incredible programs for kids. I'll let Tammy take over. Tammy, welcome. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good today. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. All right. So the Playroom and the Learning Lab is one sort of daycare and one sort of advanced school. Uh, is that a fair? No. Um, we The Playroom is actually pediatric speech therapy and occupational therapy. Uh, we do have... Uh, we do have people that do confuse it with um, a daycare, but it is not a daycare. It's an active therapeutic environment where we help children um, develop uh, their skills for living and learning um, in a playful arena. So it looks like a playground. We have a huge gym. I mean, swings, ninja uh, ramps, rock climbing walls, uh, zip lines. Uh, we have a lot of tools that we use to support uh, our kids learning and developing their uh, skills uh, through speech therapy and occupational therapy. So that's the playroom. The Mrs. Myers Learning Lab is an entirely different entity. It is where we support children who are struggling to learn reading skills and math skills. And we have an environment of activity-based programming that's hands-on learning so that it's not worksheet-based. I mean, our kids are active and they are playing and they are laughing and they are using the skills that we're teaching them um, in a natural environment through play to learn these skills. And then they're able to carry them over into the classroom and become more successful students. Excellent. And what kind of results have you had? I, I don't know. It's impossible to come up with anything really definitive. Are they performing a grade level ahead or how do you measure? Oh, Jim, we need to get to know each other a little better. Um, yes, I have definitive research. As a matter of fact, we've been studying our program and the outcomes of our program for about six years now. And uh, we are uh, we've been independently peer-reviewed, and right now there is a, um, a study that's being conducted by the University of Wisconsin about the effectiveness and efficacy of our programming because of the success rates that we've had. So our program uh, for education that we teach teachers how to use in their classrooms, uh, children don't necessarily have to come to Mrs. Myers Learning Lab to get this. We have this program anchored in some of our local schools. And they're targeting the to support the children that are falling behind in the classroom and they're struggling. And we have uh, this program where they can be in our program for just a few weeks and can see pretty significant gains in the classroom. We have data that demonstrates um, at a, in a second grade classroom, we had a particular study where there were 50, I believe there were 52 students in two second grade classes. We took one of their classes and supported the students that were struggling in those in that class 
24 out of 25 of the students made significant gains. Wow, that's impressive. In, in significant gains. And over 30% of those students were ready to go back to learning ready in a regular, um, with a regular curriculum. So we set the foundation for learning where we teach children how to learn. So yes, do we use the tools? Do we use the skills? Do we say we're going to work on phonemic segmentation or phonemic awareness for, for reading? Yes, we do say that. That is the tool that we use. But the tactics that we use teach critical thinking skills. So these students become independent thinkers and problem solvers, and they learn how to learn. So it's not just our skill that they're learning. They take that learning how to learn skill and they can apply it for any type of academics that they need to learn. And do you have a name for that? A trademarked name for the learning system? Well, it's called the Myers method. Okay. And, and what is that? You said it's teaching them to learn. I understand that. But what is the actual you know, trick behind it. You mentioned phonics. Uh, <laughs> well, phonics isn't, isn't a trick. That's just the, one of the tools uh, that we use. Uh, I mean, one of the skills that we target, but it's not the tool that we use. We, we don't see the elements of reading or math as a tool for learning. That's just the subject we want them to be able to use. We want to teach children how to think, how to process, how to problem solve. When they, when they come across um, a, a, an idea or a subject that they need to know, instead of you know, having a, a fight, flight, or freeze response and saying, oh, I can't do it, it's too hard, they can look at it analytically and say, oh, if I look at it this way, or if I see it in this context, or if I manipulate it this way, then, then that's how I understand it. And I can learn that and I can apply that to what my teacher wants me to do. Now, obviously, don't talk to them in that fashion, but you see it, you see it happening when you're working with the students. So in the Myers method, it's a... Um, it's approach to activities that are uh, very direct and and pointed to uh, the thinking process, the processing process. So it's beginning where the child is. Where's where's the child successful? And you find we do pre-assessments, and so we find out you know where are they successful, and then we start there. And we help the child recognize how do they go from what they know to what they need to know next. So you and I probably never experienced this type of struggle that we we recognized, you know, not to the point that some of our, our students that we serve have felt. Uh, because we learned these types of thinking and processing skills naturally through consistent exposure, through curiosity. A lot of students we serve, they shut down uh, before that curiosity takes place. They don't even have an opportunity to be curious about what's next because it appears too hard for them. So what we teach 
is that bridge of what do you know now to what you need to know next. What is that bridge? How do you cross that bridge? So we break it down into um, micro points and we say, okay, you know this. So you know that this shape is the letter A and you know that A said, um, is the first letter of the alphabet, but maybe you don't know that A says A. Ah. And so then we would teach the child to relate that shape to the sound um, through an activity, probably a game where well, I know it would be a game. So we might play a game like um, hot potato would be one where we toss a beanbag around in a small group and we start word association with, if I say um, a or a, then you toss the bag. If you don't, if you don't hear a, you hear a different sound, then you hold on to the bag. And so very quickly, we would say all different sounds. Um, a, m, b, p, g. I mean, just all sounds of the alphabet. And then we would randomly throw in the a sound so that we're teaching their brain to start recognizing that sound. And that's a, a type of matching. And that's the baseline for the Myers method is being able to match a new skill. So then we would take, they already know the shape of an A, and an A says, um, and, an, and we would say, okay, this shape is A, and it says A. Ah. So then we would match that with um, words, uh, very simple words, and they would have to uh, match the words that had the a sound. Once they can match successfully, then we would move to identification. Can you show me? Will you point to? Can you put this one in the the goal? Uh, go get the basketball that has the the at on it. And they would have to pick that basketball and they would have an opportunity to throw it in the, into the basket. Um, all of our our learning is through, activities. And so then we would move to the next level. Once a student can identify, we would move to um, independence, which is the do part of the Myers method. So what does the child do with this skill that's functional? Then we would use high interest words help support the child and we would say what is this uh, but this is already after they have matched so um i don't know if, if that's a good visual picture yeah, for that you was or great, not Tammy. You, you, we learned a lot about what you're doing and so uh, that did answer the question what ages are you doing so we have uh three different levels of programming in reading and three different levels of programming in math so in reading we work with children ages um three four up through age 12 and so or sixth grade um so we have schools going through sixth grade using our programming and then we have in math we work from uh, with students in first grade through eighth grade. So we have elementary and middle schools using our math curriculum.
All right, excellent. And this is a parent pay model? Well, in the independent site, it is a parent pay model. It's an after-school program to support your students' learning. In the school model, the school actually licenses to use our program during the school day. And okay. either a teacher or an interventionist works with the students for several weeks, um, and I would say six to six to thirteen weeks at a time. And the students are assessed uh, intermittently to see if they have the foundation to just continue in their regular classroom. If they need continued uh, support, they would stay in the small group. Um, if they are doing well and have the foundation they need to just use the regular classroom curriculum, then they go immediately uh, back into that. It's funny though, Jim, uh, a lot of the students that use our program in support, when it's time for them to go back into their regular class and they don't need the extra support anymore, they always ask to come back because it's a way of learning that's fun and they're successful and they, they get this curiosity for learning. Right. Well, I've seen that. I uh, There's nothing more beautiful than a child making a friend or discovering that learning is cool. You know, those are mm -hmm. life-changing moments. So, Tammy, what is your, your plan for this business? Where you, you have some dreams. For so, us. absolutely. Um, I came to the realization uh, a few years ago that we can only serve so many students in our location. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm playing with the idea of, of having um, the Mrs. Myers Learning Lab as a franchise opportunity uh, for people that would like to, to open these centers in their communities. But then I started thinking, you know, the best way to reach the most children is in schools. And so if we could teach teachers and interventionists to, to use this program in their schools, then we could help more students. So our goal right now is to bring this program into as many schools as we can across, across the country. I mean, there's absolutely no reason. The, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the, these oh, no. teacher unions, I'm not a fan of the unions, uh, how do you fight through the bureaucracy to get into a school? It seems like that could take five years, 10 years. Well, it, it helps that we're primarily a tier two intervention and there aren't very many tier two interventions that okay, I don't know what have that been, means. Explain tiers. It, okay. So tier one is when a, a student is in a classroom and they can learn however that teacher teaches them. Lecture-based, worksheet-based, um, however the teacher teaches the curriculum, that student is successful. Tier three are students that are failing uh, to the point that they need special education and they qualify for an IEP. So tier two is that window of students that you and I have heard for that fall through the crack, right? They're not failing enough to get special education, but they're not successful in their classroom. They need some extra support to build them up to learn in a regular classroom.
That's what our program does. And there's not a lot of competition out there for, for programs like ours. There just aren't because, and they haven't been studied and researched like the other two tiers have been. And so how do and you so, compete with like a mathnasium or something like that? Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, mathnasium is, is, is all digital worksheet based. It's all assignment based. We are activity based. We teach critical thinking skills. Yes, your child is going to learn math, but they're going to learn how to think about math so that they don't need to come back to us. Um, you know, they are, they're going to be independent learners. Okay. Um, so our, our goal is to teach teachers how to use our programming. And let's get back to the bureaucracy for a second. So the bureaucracy of schools exists. I mean, nobody can argue that, but schools have resources to purchase these programs and support their students. Uh, there are federal funds, there are grants um, out there, uh, there are title funds. So schools can can purchase the, the use of this program um, any, any time they want, at any level they want. Uh, they they just need to support their teachers in in the the onboarding of this program with our teaching methods. It takes about 16 hours for us to certify a teacher to teach our methods, and we provide ongoing coaching. And that coaching is uh, supports the ongoing um, learning of the teacher and how to present the the skills and the opportunities for thinking and problem solving that that we give students through the program. And it's a pretty fast paced program. I mean, it's another reason the, the schools and the, the teachers and the students like it so much is because they see results quickly. And what about the pricing? The pricing? Um, it depends on the number of students. Um, we and can for the school model. Does the school have to uh, tell me about how a school would pay? Do they have to get a line item or, or I, I know nothing about that? <laughs> well, I'm still learning some about that as well. Uh, even though we do have several schools that, that work with us, um, that essentially it's, it's through uh, an invoice. Uh, they, they typically have a budget for curriculum. Okay, that's my and question. That's what we're getting. Yes, There's a they have a line okay. item for a curriculum. And they have line items for target curriculums, like tier two curriculums. Um, and then some of them have more of a, a blanket line item budget for other services uh, or other interventions uh, or teacher coaching. So we can fall under a number of line items. Right. Yes. The coaching is probably where you'll have the most success, or I, I, that's where I would target because, you know, they have to buy it, right? They have to, they have to maintain a certain number of hours, right? Right, right. Yeah, this definitely qualifies for their PD, uh, their professional development, and, uh, you know, also supports the teacher outcomes. And, and the type of coaching that we give, is, it is specific to our program and it has components that teachers can take back into their regular classroom instruction and 
um, and support the the quality of their instruction and the success of their students outside of our programming. I mean, it's a very rich coaching uh, tool that we use. Interesting. Well, Tammy, it's a fascinating model and really impressive with what you've done and how you've expanded. Uh, it's really impressive. And I agree that this looks like an awesome opportunity for franchise uh, and could be a great way. How for the, a franchisee or someone running a center, do they have to have all of the degrees that you do? to qualify no no um we we would like uh the whoever's going to be operating the center needs to have a teaching degree they okay. they should they should be um, a teacher a retired teacher um, a licensed teacher i mean they they should be a teacher well, we, the problem, we do the problem with that is the ahead. teachers would never want to leave the profession because the so perfect you know teachers never <laughs> leave teaching Tammy that never happens you couldn't ever find an ex-teacher with a degree who wants to have a teaching job at outside of the normal school system. Uh -oh. that person could never exist <laughs> <laughs> you obviously haven't read the same articles I've I've been reading then. well you know I, I'm I, I know how hard it is I know right you're now being with sarcastic. the schools uh and you know my kids are at a pretty good elementary and middle school and they were still three or four days into the school year announcing who the teachers would be and i'm like it's mm -hmm. a little late for this don't you do normally do this in may or june <laughs> you know mm -hmm. not in august or september you know so i i certainly see oh. what's going on in the macro profession uh are we going to recover from the two-year vacation that we took what what are your thoughts on post COVID oh. life for us parents? Well, um, I mean, I can tell you what has been projected, and oh, it's funny, Jim. I had a feeling you were going to ask me about this. Um, so, what's been projected is that our students it, it's going to take us two years to regain what we've lost. Now, in real numbers. What does that mean? The Department of Education says that approximately 15% of students fall in that tier two struggling student category. Okay, it has been our experience that it's more like 45% right now because they're so far behind. Is it going to take two years for us to to, to catch up to where we were and is where we were acceptable? Is it acceptable to have 15% of our students struggling? I, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss with, with some of this. Um, I see that, you know, with our, the schools that we're in, they're seeing 30 to 60% of their students through, go through our program, uh, be leveled back up to the tier one instruction. I mean, remarkable, remarkable results. And, you know, can, can that happen for every student? It really depends on where they were when they started falling behind. Um, 
I mean, I, I wish I had a concrete answer for you, but right now I feel like it's fluid and I don't feel like the numbers that are out there are, are actually good numbers. I don't think they're good stats. And I don't think we even started with good stats, to be honest with you. Well, I would agree. It's a, I yeah, I think we're, they're under, I think tier two is underreported. Um, I think, um, you know, the, the burnout of teachers is, is real and they can't get to everybody, every student that needs them in a, a traditional format. Reteaching what a student didn't learn or couldn't comprehend um, in the same format it was taught in the first place is 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 not helping that student. Right? We have to teach them in a way that is going to support their learning. And if you know, if, if a student didn't get five math problems correct and you give them five more math problems and you didn't show them how to how to correct those, you're just giving them more practice and failure. Tammy, how do we find out more, follow you online, learn more about your programs? Sure, sure. Um, uh, so we do have a website, uh, M-M-E-S-L-E-A-R-N.com. MMESLearn.com. And we have a Facebook page uh, and um, Instagram as well. So I can, I don't think I've sent those links to you, Jim. I'll, I'll send those, those links to, to you. The, the show page. Tammy. Sure. That would be fantastic. Thank you for that. Yep. Are you uh, at all superstitious on Friday the 13th? No, yeah, I think not a bit. Me either. I don't understand why people are, but apparently all those, I don't know, third huge church riots or something on that day, a thousand years huh. ago or something, or I don't know, a bunch of people got killed. Anyway, I don't know my well. history well enough to remember it. Tammy, thank you so much <laughs> for being with us on this Friday the 13th, and I, I love what you're doing and hope you're incredibly successful. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jim. And we'll be right back to talk about vacation rental property as a side gig. We'll be right back. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. It, that's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back. And again, thank you so very much for being with us. You know how much I love a side gig, and I am very excited to introduce you to someone who's doing that. She is part of, I guess, Airbnb, but certainly the short-term property rental world. Please welcome Fran Hasing to the show. Did I get it right that time? I forgot already. Passing, 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 damn it, Fran <laughs> passing to the show. She 
owns an amazingly beautiful property out west in the Montana, Idaho area and was very assisted by SCORE. I think you all know that I've been a longtime fan of SCORE. It's the retired executive core, and they can help you with so many things. Fran, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. So tell us about your property uh, and how it fit into your life. You're a retired special ed teacher. Thank you for your yes. service there. You take you a are welcome. Uh, yes, I'm a retired uh, school teacher, and um, my husband and I decided to um, uh, move from Idaho Falls, Idaho, up to Island Park, Idaho, which is just, um, we're about two miles from the Montana border. So uh, we're very close to Yellowstone National Park, the west entrance, and the town of West Yellowstone. We're approximately a 20-minute drive into West Yellowstone. And we decided since we were up here in this beautiful country, we'd like to share it with others. So we opened an Airbnb. And I shouldn't use the term Airbnb. We opened a short-term rental. Right. I do have multiple booking sites, both Airbnb and VRBO. All right. I actually used to go every winter to West Yellowstone with my father. That was our father-son trip every year. We stayed at the Three Bear Lodge and did their yes. snowmobile package. Is that still there? Oh, yes, yes. And snowmobiling uh, in this area is extremely big in the winter. It is our second uh, active season. You know, our main tourist season is from Memorial Day to Labor Day each year. But then we also open up, um, you know, in December, as long as we have the requisite snow loads. And we usually do. And uh, then it runs through to, oh, Marchish by the time that the snow is starting to recede. And do people stay in the home and you stay there as well? Where do you go when it's rented? Um, we have uh, a main house on property that is our main uh, dwelling, our living area. And then we have a separate area a separate building for our guests it okay. is um you know whether you want to call it a mother-in-law cottage or you know uh it's a separate little small building on premise so our guests have 100 percent privacy they have the use uh, full use of the um area it's uh got its own little uh uh, patio and barbecue. It has everything in it that a guest would want to use as far as kitchen amenities, a fully stocked kitchen, um, two bedrooms with queen beds, one bathroom, uh, and then a, a main, you know, gathering room, TV room. And how did score become part of this story? Tell us about reaching out to them. Um, I reached out to SCORE uh, because my background was not in business administration or any of that type of marketing or any of that type of thing. And so I knew about SCORE in our town uh, through a previous uh, encounter with them. And I went back and just said, hey, you know, we're thinking about retiring up here. We would like to augment our retirement income, you know, so that we can have fun 
working with my mentor, William Woods, and he was great. I mean, the process was an extremely positive process. I can't say enough about it. What type of things did you learn? Um, one of the biggest things was sitting down with Bill and doing a SWOT or SWOT analysis worksheet um, where you list your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities, threats to your uh, proposed business. Um, and that it, it's a long process. Um, you know, even though I filled out the worksheet, it's more the process and the thought that goes behind the worksheet that helps you to really solidify your thoughts. There were some things that I may not have thought of not having that business degree. Um, then uh, also uh, a balance sheet, a projected balance sheet, you know, to make sure that your finance finances are, uh, you know, in order and realistic for what you are wanting to do. Um, and then Bill even brought in an associate of his um, to that had more experience in specifically the hospitality industry. And he went over my projected balance sheet and my, my SWOT analysis. And, uh, you know, he had some really good insights for me, too. So it just really helps you to anticipate any problems prior to just, you know, jumping in and, and then having to deal with the problems after you've already started your business. How booked are you? What percentage? I'm booked. hundred <laughs> percent? I'm booked. Well, um, you have to understand it is seasonal up here. Uh, so we have two seasons, like I described it before. So usually my season, uh, my busiest season is from Memorial to Labor Day. Although I still get bookings after Labor Day, both September and October. Yellowstone National Park uh, is my biggest draw, although there's Lots of other things to do in our area, too, as far as hiking, biking, uh, kayaking, uh, boating, fishing. I mean, we I am 10 minutes away from the Madison River, so I am uh, in just a beautiful fishing uh, area. I'm 20 minutes away from the uh, Snake River, uh, the Henry's Fork of the Snake River. Uh, we have Island Park Reservoir. I am right across a little highway from... Uh, uh, Henry's Lake. So, I mean, there's just so much to do in our area. Um, but because Yellowstone National Park, it opens uh, in April and it closes November 1st, that's when I get most of my bookings. Um, just because, you know, everybody wants to come up here when the weather's beautiful and, and to visit the park. Right. Of course. And what are some of the lessons you've learned about running and short-term rental what are some of the do's and don'ts of that business um you know i think you really need to know your market and you need to market for that specific guest um that was another thing that score was able to provide me with they have tons of classes they bring in um experts in specific areas cybersecurity, um you know liability and law um marketing and that was one of the ones that i went to um and it, that was very very helpful because it helped me to say okay what is the one guest that I have in my mind that I'm going to market for? And that really helps you to 
um, you know, with your competition, it is a big short-term rental market area up here because we are a destination location. Um, and so I, I don't, uh, have mismarketing or have poor reviews because someone is looking for something that either I can't provide or, you know, don't provide. Um, so it, it, my reviews um, are very, very positive. I, I've pretty much always gotten very, very good reviews. My guests are happy. And I think that that, you know, contributes greatly to my success. Right. And how do you market outside of the Airbnb world or even inside there? Do you do any ads? Um, do you do anything extra? I have uh, I have a web page. People can always access me on a web page, um, you know, in all of that Google format, you know. Um, I have, I do some ads, very limited ads uh, uh, with Google um, and uh, my Facebook page. Uh, but I haven't had to do intensive marketing because most of it is done through my booking sites, which are VRBO and Airbnb. And um, those are very good booking sites. They do take a portion of the profits that I get from my guests to operate their booking price, but I feel like it's fairly reasonable and it really increases my visibility. So I don't have to do too much on that end of it, which is very nice. Which site is better for you? You know, they are both very, very good. There's some things that, you know, I like about the Airbnb website, some things I like about the VRBO, but both of them have been very good companies to deal with thus far Excellent. and and supportive. They have customer support. So if I've had questions or, you know, if things have, you know, uh, come up, you are able to call them and they help you to work through it. Fantastic. Brand, great information. I really appreciate your time today. And maybe I'll see you and take my son to the Three Bear Lodge this coming winter. All righty. That sounds good. And we will be Thank right so back much. to talk about more score right after this. We are back in again. Thank you so much for being with us. So we are talking about score. We need to actually have someone from score chime in. I'm excited that we can do that. Please welcome Peter buzzard to the show. He is an active member of score. As a matter of fact, he is the chapter co-chair of the What's the, I saw the name of the chapter. Now I can't. Treasure Valley. Treasure Valley in Idaho. Beautiful Idaho. Yes, sir. Treasure Valley, Idaho. Yes. Prior to that, he had an amazing uh, career working with great companies like Hewlett Packard and things like that, where he was worldwide channel program manager. So an amazingly impressive career. And as score suggests, he's taken that knowledge and is giving back to people all over the country that need it score is a national organization. Peter, welcome. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. How about yourself, Jim? I am. Well, you also went to Thunderbird. Did you know my brother, John beach? Does it ring a bell? What, uh, depends on when he was there. I graduated in 91. 90, yeah. Yeah. He was maybe a little couple years after that, but Thunderbird, tell people what Thunderbird was. It was a unique place. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I attended Thunderbird, it was uh, the premier 
uh, graduate school for international business. Um, it was an independent entity for from its founding up until a few years ago, and then it merged with Arizona State. So now Thunderbird has become effectively the business uh, graduate business school of uh, Arizona State University. But it's it's quite well known across the world, frankly, as being kind of a, um, one of the premier places to go to learn uh, how to do international business. Definitely, my brother was there and absolutely loved it. Anyway, after that. Amazing career, yada, 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 career, Hewlett-Packard, yada, 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 SCORE. Tell us about SCORE and how you ended up there. I've known about the organization for about a decade. Tell everyone yeah. else. Sure. Well, uh, let me just start from the beginning. SCORE was founded in 1964, if you can believe that. It is the largest network of volunteer expert business mentors. We have over 10,000 volunteers across all 50 states. And about uh, 300 or so chapters, Treasure Valley chapter here in Idaho being one of those 300 chapters. And it was founded as a resource partner of the U.S. Small Business Administration. So what does that mean? Well, really to boil it down, SCORE was founded to do, uh, provide three things to America's uh, small business entrepreneurs. First and foremost is to provide one-on-one -on -one mentoring for small business owners, wherever they're at in this stage of their business. Um, number two is to provide resources. So we do ha have a lot of webinars. We have a lot of business templates across kind of every business function. And then third is to provide education, right? An opportunity for hands-on in-person learning uh, for uh, America's entrepreneurs. So that's really, in a nutshell, what we're all about. Again, just to emphasize volunteer-based organization. So our services are free uh, as far as mentoring goes. For workshops, typically there's a nominal fee to help cover the costs of running the workshop. But otherwise, that, uh, in a nutshell, is what SCORE is all about. And it's a great organization. I have been to, I don't know, maybe five or six SCORE events over the years. You know, for free access to amazing executives, it's probably one of the best government programs we have. Well, I sure think so. You know, and I, uh, as I have firsthand experience with, with SCORE, uh, back in the 90s, my uh, ex-wife and I ran a portrait photography business. And we got to the point where we were successful and we wanted to take that next step that so many small business owners want to take which is to own the building they operate their business out of instead of rent and so uh uh long story short i went to try and get my sba loan and was uh guided over to the score team uh to help me kind of get my numbers in line so that i could be a little more bankable and uh, so I had some firsthand experience back in the 90s. And, and ever since then, it's, it had been in the back of my mind as an opportunity to give back to my local community. I happen to be born and raised here in Idaho. And so uh, now I'm in a fortunate position to be retired. And uh, so back uh, two years ago, uh, I reached out to SCORE and uh, decided to use that as a my venue to give back to my local community by volunteering as a mentor. And what are the type uh, businesses that people come to you with? So we just heard from Fran who put together an Airbnb based business. 
and yep. is supporting her own farm with uh, the outbuilding, basically renting off the outbuildings, which is yep. just brilliant. Simple business. Tell us some of the other businesses that you've run across while you've been there. Well, you know, it really runs the full gambit. That's kind of one of the interesting things as a mentor. Um, one of the things that I get out of it, and many of our mentors get out of it, is we get the opportunity to learn, right? So we have businesses that come from us, uh, a traditional retail store. They want to open up uh, a store that they want to do an exercise studio, a yoga studio. Maybe they want to retail sporting goods. Uh, and then you get into some more of the, you'd say, modern technology-driven companies. So we get uh, startup technology, you know, people that are uh, typically technically versed, right? So they have a technical vision, but they don't have any business background at all. And frankly, they don't even know where to start in realizing that dream. So it really runs the gamut. We are here in Idaho, of course, we have some food and ad companies. So we'll, we'll have some companies that maybe they've come up with a great uh, a fish taco sauce and they are ready to bottle it and to start selling, but they, they don't really know where to start and much less how to put together a go-to-market plan for their, uh, for their dream. Peter, we have a little game that we play here called the quick 10. I give you a topic and you give me a short, quick, like three or four word answer. So you want to play? Ah, uh, sure. I'll give it a whirl. All right. What's your favorite creativity hack? If you, if you're not creative, if you got the block, what do you do? I go hike up the hill. And what happened? What's your favorite bootstrapping start low cost trick? Go ugly early. What does that mean? I've been ugly my whole life, early, middle, and late. So I, I don't get it. <laughs> well, okay, you need a few more words. Uh, go ugly early is something I learned early in my career working for uh, startup software companies. And it's the idea that you need to get out into the market as quickly as you can with a minimum viable product ah. so that you, you can learn. So many people want to have everything absolutely perfect from a product standpoint. But frankly, they don't really have a whole lot of customer feedback that they've incorporated into that product design. So there's nothing more valuable I've learned in every industry I've worked is to get in market as quickly as possible and learn from your customers, learn from your competitors. Love it. Great one. What are the first, uh, no, let me start. Let me rephrase. Name your top passions in life. Uh, for personally, it's skiing, uh, uh, kayaking, uh, and uh, pedaling on the green belt of the Boise River. And business-wise, incorporating that, what would your passions look like? Uh, I love starting new businesses. Um, that really is my core passion in, in my professional life. Whether it's a new, you know, any kind of new product or service, bringing it to market uh, and and helping that. Uh, you know, become as successful as possible. That really gets my juices flowing. The first three steps in starting a business are. <laughs> um, you, you get your business, uh, get some form of a business plan together. Um, make sure that you can afford to live while you're starting your business and then go get it registered and your business account set up so that you can start. What is your dreamiest technology? Ooh, um, mm, I have to think about that one. Dreamiest 
Um, uh, probably voice recognition. If we could ever get voice recognition to be really good, um, it seems like it would really make my life super easy if I could simply speak and things magically happen. What's the best way to get your first real customer? Um, go uh, identify your target your your target market, and then physically go to that target market, get in front of them, and pitch. What is the best entrepreneurial advice you've ever gotten? Uh, believe in yourself. What's the worst entrepreneurial mistake you've ever made? Oh, um, hmm, yeah, I don't have a good one there. Sorry. Never made have any mistakes? I've made plenty, but it's the problem is freaking the worst. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'd probably say the worst mistake was just being a victim of timing. Um, when I bought that building I was mentioning earlier, uh, it happened to be in 2007, and then the real estate crash hit. And, uh, and that ended up uh, backfiring pretty, pretty badly. Yeah. Who's your favorite entrepreneur historically? It could be someone alive still. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. I gotta say that guy is a entrepreneur machine. And who's your favorite superhero? Oh, Superman for sure. And how do we get in touch with score? Visit www.score.org. All right. Fantastic. Great answers to the quick 10, Peter. And thank you so much for playing. And thanks for your help with score and letting us learn all about it. We appreciate you being with us. You bet. My pleasure. And we're out of time for today, but we're going to go skiing in uh, the winter with Peter and Idaho. So if you want to come with us, we're all staying at Peter's house. Just give us yes. a call. Let's yeah. go. That's a score function, I'm sure. Score pays you for that. I got to think. <laughs> I wish. We're out of time, but we're back again tomorrow. Take care. Make a million bucks. Bye now.